See, the enemy's number one goal is to separate and to conquer you. So I'm going to speak to the heart of the man tonight. In fact, I, I, I brought my bell with me. And understand, this bell has been with me all over the world. You, you'll learn more about it tomorrow. But I, I want to preach about just a simple word. In fact, my, my team has not heard this message. I, I just wrote it uh, about a year ago and shared it for a second at a thing. And, and then I just put it up. I never. And then the Lord said, you're to pull it out. So I, I hope you don't mind. But I'm, I'm probably going to be stuck to notes tonight because God spoke to me to preach this in fact none of my guys have heard this in fact fellas that are with me y'all just stand up where are they at they're, they're, they're over here and these are some would you make them welcome I mean, even know it's time to raise up a generation that'll stand and declare victory and so you need to understand as I move to this I'm just going to share a simple message called simply get in the ring In a time and a period where 61% of men in America don't go to church. Where 90% of the young men leave the church when they graduate high school because they're usually following what dad does. And then later they come only because their, their wife wants them there. So you got to understand something as I move into this. I, I don't know about you, but maybe it's because I'm from the South. I was born in Detroit. My father was a drug dealer. He worked for the mafia. He worked for Hoffa, got radically saved. No one had ever been saved in my family uh, uh, until 1974. I was five years old. And you got to understand something. One man making one decision can set a family completely free. If you believe that, give God a shout right now. So I don't come from this rich spiritual heritage, but I'm excited because my son, Nate, who, who uh, went to college on football scholarship, had offers all over America, and then he ended up going on football scholarship. Now he's a youth pastor at Trinity Church in Dallas. He just got married, and, and, uh, and they're going to make some babies. Amen? They're not, they're not even allowed to come home till they make babies. But I love the fact that one decision, one night, can change a family's destiny. My father, who was wasted out of his mind, fell on his knees and said, God, if you can save me. He flushed $2,000 worth of dope down a commode, and it changed our family lineage. Not a single Christian from our house. But I have learned, you can take the family out of Detroit, but it's hard to get to Detroit out of the family. I have learned that sometimes it even takes generations to get free of some stuff. The stuff I still battle with, my son doesn't have to battle with. But I must preach this word because maybe, maybe it's because I now live in Alabama and moved there when I was eight years old. I, I, I love people that know how to talk trash. Are you with me? Jesus was a trash talker. He just knew how to tick people off. He was a man's man. All of you that love those little pictures of Jesus holding a lamb, that is a lie. Isaiah said he wasn't good looking. He was a carpenter, so you know he has some forearms. Can you imagine the disciples looking at him saying, hey, you want to wrestle? I bet he just looked over and said, you do know I created the world. <laughs> What's up? 
The woman that came to anoint him, they were all screaming at her. And he just stand up and said, leave her alone. Because he knew what a man was about. A man's about defending. A man's about rising up with a warrior spirit. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, he, he, said, he said, this is war. There's no neutral ground. If you're not on my side, you are the enemy. If, you, if you're not helping, you're making things worse. He would say things like, I have come to divide. I did not bring a feather. I brought a sword and I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats and the goats from the sheep. He would say things like the kingdom of heaven is being taken by force and it's the violent who lay hold of it. Now, this goes against our political correctness, but you've got to understand we are in mortal war right now. We're living in a nation where truth is being stomped to the ground. We're living in a season and a time where God's word is being mocked and, and saying irrelevant and doesn't flow with culture. And God says, I'm looking for some people that will stand up in a generation and just get a holy anger about it and say enough is enough. Let the men rise up. All throughout history, God has raised up remnant. Men that would stand up and not act like wimps anymore, but stand up and walk in authority. Give him a praise tonight. But there was one disciple that I really liked because he knew how to talk trash to. I'll never forget. I was in elementary school. And it was right during the time when the first Rocky movie came on. Yeah, we've had 15 since then. But but I'll never forget there was this one kid that was a bully picking on everybody and one day our coaches said to us and they, they set up a boxing rink in the gymnasium and he said we're going to let some of you guys duke it out and, and, and so you, whoever won got to call out the next person there's this one kid that always picked on everybody and I, 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 I'll be honest I was scared of him and, and I mean he was just a beast he's one of those kids in fourth grade that's got a full beard amen he looks like Duck Dynasty sitting in the cafeteria He already got to wear deodorant. I didn't have any hair till I got married. Now let's move on. But I'll never forget because, I, true story, all of a sudden, my coach says, all right, who wants to get in? And I'm, I'm like, man, I, 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 I hadn't really started playing sports yet or anything like that. And I'm like, all right. I mean, I've been watching Rocky a lot, though, and... and uh, I think we went and saw it like four times. And, uh, and if we did, my dad was a pastor of a little church in East L.A., East Lower Alabama. And it sounded cool, didn't it? And, and, and if we went to the movies, we went like two hours in case any board members were following us. And, and um, we went and saw Rocky and Star Wars. But I'll never forget, all of a sudden, the true story, the P.E. coach. I mean, he's, he, he was a coach. I mean, he looked like Uncle Rico and, on, on that movie. And... Um, I mean, he wore the shorts that were up to here. And he's like, who wants to get in here, boys? We're going to duke it out today. And I'm like, oh, my voice hadn't, it still hadn't changed, but I'll get in. And all of a sudden, the biggest, meanest guy in the class, the guy that I think he was smoking a cigar, fourth grader, gets in the ring with me. And true story, my dad had always, because my dad was from the streets of Detroit, he had always said, Make sure you get the first punch. I could hear this song in my in my What's up? That's good, that's good. That's good. That's good, that's good. They get it. 
And all of a sudden, I just walk up, true story. And I mean, he's like as tall as Timothy McCain. I don't know why he's not in the NFL. That's a shame. And I walked up to that guy and got the first punch and knocked him down. And I felt like a stud. When he got up, I hit him right in the face. My dad always said, get the first punch and run. That's the rules of the street right there. You just got to go. And he, and then he, he got up and he said, you're going to die after school. I didn't go home for weeks from school. But one of my favorite people in the Bible is somebody who knew how to talk tra- trash. And it's Simon Peter. I have two favorites in the Bible that I love to study. I love the life of David because David, and you will hear about him tomorrow, he represents a nobody, and that's who God's raising up is the nobodies. The rags in his hand sent to clean up the messes, the, the, the ones that will stand firm, and, and, and even when they fall down, they'll get back up. But I love in the New Testament, someone that represented him so much in the same way was a guy by the name of Simon Peter. I love Simon Peter because Simon Peter was just a big fisherman. In fact, Acts chapter 4 said they were just a bunch of dumb guys. What I love about Simon Peter is he knew how to walk through brokenness. Are you with me? Because I was telling you a little bit ago, I was walking through New York City last week, and all of a sudden the Lord, I said, Lord, what's going on? And he said, you're writing a book about being remnant, and you've been attacked a little bit lately with some different things, and yet you'll tell me you want to be remnant? He said, everyone that's ever been raised up on my behalf has had to die at some point. But I love the life of Simon Peter, so I'm I'm preaching this simplistic word simply titled, Get in the Ring, because he's one of my favorites. Because he always seemed to put his foot in his mouth. He was the one that would say things that would make everybody mad. He was the one that would chop somebody's ear off if they got too close to Jesus. He was a bodyguard. He's the one that when Jesus came walking across the water in the middle of the night and everybody, now you got to understand, Jesus' 12 disciples, they were manly men. And, I mean, they were fishermen. Have you ever watched the deadliest catch? Those guys are scary. And one night they're out fishing and all of a sudden, and it's believed that Simon Peter actually owned a fleet. He was believed he was actually wealthy, owned a fleet of boats and fishermen and one night they're out there fishing and I bet they were telling stories next thing they know they see Jesus walking on the water and they are scared to death they had already been telling stories about Loch Ness Monster and Simon Peter stands up realizing it's Jesus and said what's up I can do that then he gets out and Jesus said well come on (laughs) big boy And all of a sudden, Simon Peter steps out of the boat and starts walking on water. And then he remembers that it's Shark Week on on A&E or whatever that's on Nat Geo. And and next thing you know, he's looking around. He's going, my God, I have messed up. The waves started tossing. Everything started coming against him. He started sinking down. And once again, and it wouldn't be the first time that Jesus would pick him up because that's what I'm preaching about tonight. All of a sudden, the hand of God that would later have a nail in it. How many of you know your scars end where his began? Are you with me so far? There's no 
way you can ever come to uh, go too far from him because he can always reach you and all of a sudden the hand of God comes out and pulls him up and says you're not quite ready for this level of faith let's walk you back to the boat tonight God told me to come and tell some of you he's about to walk you back to the boat he's about to walk you into freedom he's about to walk you into authority you need to know there are women at home that are praying tonight my wife is praying for me right now she just texted me and told me that because God is saying if I need one thing in this generation I need a man that will rise up and walk in authority and tell the devil to get out of their house and learn how to bless their children somebody give God a praise if y'all wouldn't have worshipped like that I'd be more meek it's your fault but I love Simon Peter because he was a fighter and he was a man's man and his initial reaction was to always always do war until one night everything fell apart and the Bible says in Luke chapter 22 verse 31 let's go into this immediately because he told me to share this tonight again my team has not heard this it's just he he spoke this to me that I was to share this tonight and 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 he's telling he's saying I'm looking for somebody that'll get in the ring and fight the bully and it says in Luke 22 verse 31 Simon stay on your toes this is the message version Satan has tried his best to separate all of you from me like chaff from wheat. Simon, I prayed for you. In particular, we could stop right there. He said, with the whole world going on and I'm about to face the hardest time of my life, I prayed for you. That you not give in or give out. And when you come through the time of testing, turn to your companions and give them a fresh start. In other words, what you've been through is a great indication of who you've called, you've been called to. And when you fall down and finally learn to get back up, it is your right, it is your duty to help somebody else walk through this. I love that because Jesus is giving him a moment. He says, you're going to mess up. You're going to fall down. You're going to blow it. But someday I'll turn your pain into power. Someday I'll take what you've been through and use it as a test to, to help somebody else get free. If you read on in Luke chapter 22, Simon Peter's like, no way. Mm -mm. No way, God. I'll go through anything. I'll go to jail for you. Let him, let him kill me. It doesn't matter. And then we get down in Luke chapter 22 to verse 49. Just 18 verses later, we see the downfall of a man of God. And when those with him saw what was happening, they said, Master, shall we fight? And one of them took a swing at the chief priest's servant and cut off his ear. We know this to be Simon Peter at his worst moment, at the moment where Jesus needed intercession. You've got to understand, Peter was a part of the inner circle. I'm le I've learned the closer you get to this man, the more you'll be able to tell if he has flaws in his armor. We just have to... We just have to trust that you're not going to stab him there. You've got to understand wherever Jesus went, he took the disciples with him. He, and then he would leave the first group. There was actually three, group, three groups of disciples, the outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. And, and, but he would always take Peter, James, and John because they represented faith, hope, and love. He would take them with him. They would experience moments on the mountain in a cloud where the voice of God 
would speak about building a temple. They would, they would, they would be a part of the inner circle. They would hear the grievances, the cries, the weeping. They could hear Jesus in the night in the lonely places. The Bible says he always prayed in lonely places. So if there's any lonely men in here, that's where God prays. I looked that up one time because I wondered what it meant. But it actually means the area of land that is waiting to be shepherded. In other words, Jesus prayed where churches were supposed to be planted. Some of you battle loneliness, but you don't understand. We think loneliness is from the devil. It's from God. Because he's trying to get you to cry out to him. The end of yourself really is the beginning of God. But let's go on deeper. Are you ready? In Luke 22, verse 54. Then seizing him. Because you can almost hear the music. You can almost hear the dramatic moment. They led him away and they took him to the house of the high priest. And Peter followed at a distance. You ever been through something? That makes you kind of unsure about what you've been in. Been there. Today is my sister's birthday. But you don't know about my sister. And I tell about it in my book. But six years ago in August. She died of a drug overdose. Or at least her heart gave out from years of drugs. Four weeks before, she had come to the place where I was pastoring and, and gave her heart to Christ, but she could not get free. So when I got on the plane this morning, when I headed to the airport at, at 6.30 this morning, uh, I, I, I suddenly realized this is her birthday. See, I know what it's like six years ago to get off the plane late at night and, and had just saw 30,000 lives touched at a thing called Spirit West Coast in, in Monterey, California. I'm floating high. Get to bed at one in the morning. Get to preach at my church the next morning. And all of a sudden, my cell phone rings at 5 a.m. And it's the voice of my dad, my hero, suddenly saying, wake up. Your sister died in her sleep. She was two years older than me. She was 39. And for the next six months, follow from a distance. I remember standing on the, uh, a balcony in Australia. I had just preached at a church called Hillsong. And, and I walked out to the balcony late one night after seeing God move. And I just, I hadn't felt anything in, in forever. I hadn't felt him since she had died. I was so wounded over it that I, I walked out. And, and, and I just raised my hands in Sydney Harbor. Just raised my hands over the water. And I said, where are you? Getting real, aren't I? Didn't see that coming, did you? But it would take me on a journey to a quest, a quest to go deeper in him and, and quit the facade and the fake stuff and all the weird stuff. But because I'm telling you, there's nothing more dangerous than a man that has nothing to lose. And the Bible says he followed from a distance. But when they had kindled a fire, everybody say fire, in the middle of the courtyard and it sat down together, Peter sat down with them and a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight and she looked closely at him and she said, this man was with Jesus. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. He said a little later, someone else saw him and said, 
You're also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Literally, if you study that, he even tried to change. He went ghetto. He's been, what are you talking What's he talking about? He went ghetto. Literally, he changed his dialect. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned to him and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. And before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Oh, follow me, follow me. Because you got to get a hold of this because, because there's a stirring in, in, in my heart for tonight. God began to speak to me on the flight over here. He said, you tell them there's going to be some men that finally step out of what's held them for years. Things that were put on you by your fathers. There's some men in here that need to understand. God says, I, the enemy hates the seed bearer. His goal is to stop you. His goal is to get you to run. His goal is to get you to hide. And his goal is to get you ate up with fear. We wonder why perversion is rampant in a generation. Paul told Timothy... He said, for God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a soundness of mind. He was speaking to Timothy, whose father really wasn't in the picture. He was probably over at Mars Hill with the other Greek philosophers. And, and, and he's speaking to Timothy, and he said, for God does not give it a spirit of intimidation or fear, but a power, love, and soundness of mind. Literally, he was confronting the man in Timothy to say, rise up. Quit acting like a boy. Quit acting like somebody that didn't know what they're doing. Because when he said power, that means dunamis he said love that's agape the only pure love in the bible and soundness of mind do you know what i've learned he was confronting him and from that point on he would call him son what i've learned is in the in a generation that lacks fathers where 34 percent of this generation have grown up without a dad 72 percent in this generation have grown up without a dad we need somebody that will rise up in this room and tell a young man how to be a man are you getting this so far why because this generation was born at a time of war. And everything in the world is trying to stop you and trying to stop me and keeping us from being who God has called us to be. And I know what Ephesians 6.10 says. It says fight to the finish. It doesn't say stop halfway about what wraps it up. And and that about wraps it up. God is strong. He wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you. Well-made weapons for the best for the best materials and put them to use so that you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all of his angels. Matt, we're not going to show that video. Don't even worry about it. Let's just move on. Reminded I was preaching in uh, the Penn, Florida youth camp about three years ago and and all of a sudden I had preached about how I loved to wrestle with my son and uh, until he got big. That's when you just start grounding them, fellas. Nate turned into this big nose guard for a big 6A high school. 18 scholarship offers all over America. Defensive player of the year for the, for the, from Montgomery up for the state of Alabama. And, and I can remember, I just kind of quit wrestling with him when he was bench pressing 425 pounds. I'm just like, that's, it's not wise. I didn't tell him that. You still got to be the man. 
But I preached that night how I love to wrestle with Nate. In fact, he got married last summer, and all his buddies from college that he played football with came to the house. And they did the, 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 we did the Friday night, you know, uh, rehearsal dinner thing, and it was, it was fun. And all the guys, all the guys had said to me, you know, Pat, we want you to baptize Nate in the pool tonight after we get done with the rehearsal before he gets married tomorrow. And I'm thinking, well, praise God. This is awesome. Praise is a really cool moment. And, and so we come home from the rehearsal dinner, and all of a sudden I, I go out to the pool, and, 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 um, and I thought we were having a baptismal service. But they tried to kill me. <laughs> Tell you more, but my attorneys advised me not to, and so not. <laughs> and, I, and I was preaching that night, that night, and I was preaching about how, how I love to dance with my daughter because my little girl is my, my sweetheart. She's my little princess. She's 10 years old. And, and I, I, we dance at night to butterfly kisses and Stephen Curtis Chapman's Cinderella and Journey. Journey's anointed. <laughs> That's right, 80s people. And all of a sudden, I get done preaching, and these four huge guys come walking up. And they're from Miami, four huge black guys. They're, they're ball players. They're huge. And I had preached about wrestling with my son. God's moving at the youth camp here in Penn, Florida. And all of a sudden, these four guys surround me, and they go, hey. I go, what's up? What's up? I go, we want to wrestle with you. I'm like, my God, do y'all not see God moving? What's wrong with y'all? And they said, you talked about wrestling with your son. We want to wrestle with you. I mean, kids are laid out everywhere. God's moving. And I went, no. You don't want none. Don't make me make my booby jump. I'll make it jump. Fellas, if I unlock this, we all going to get arrested. Amen? <laughs> this is thunder. This is lightning. Don't get caught up in this storm. Amen? <laughs> yeah. Trash talking. And then I just started talking to the air. They don't want any, do they? You got to get crazy, folks. I've been in a city. I've been in San Francisco. I've been in New York. You got to learn how to talk to the air. They don't want any, do they? <laughs> Schmeagle. <laughs> Precious. Anyway. And all of a sudden, I said, I refuse to wrestle with you right here. God is moving. You're stupid for asking me that. And they go, they, they laughed, weirdly. And they said, well, if you won't wrestle with us, will you hold us? We've never been held by a dad. And honest to goodness, I sat down with these four guys, and I wrapped my arms around them, and they began to weep uncontrollably. Big old huge guys. And when I got back to my hotel, I had my T-shirt on, and it was covered in Jesus juice. Snot. And I'll never forget, I'm sitting at the Hampton Inn, and, 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 and I go to take my T-shirt off, and I'm just so grossed out. I'm like, this is nasty. And the Lord said, but you're wearing tears that belong to dads that weren't there. Because there's a generation at war. When every 30 seconds a, a child attempts suicide, something's wrong. When 7 million will face divorce. One of the prophetic words that was sent to me this morning was that there's a man sitting in here that is contemplating divorce and his wife doesn't even know it. And God says, stop, he can restore it. When 25% of their friends are dead because of abortion, we're in a war. In fact, I just wrote about this in my new book. Do you know that any generation that kills their babies, any nation that kills their babies, and we've done it for 40 years, that's a generation in the Bible. 
Within two generations, that nation does not exist. But see, the battle doesn't really start till you get fed up and decide to get in the ring and not take a dive anymore. Because some of you have been attacked by the enemy lately and he's been coming at you full on, full strength. And we know how to act when we come to church. We know how to, see, no more shadow boxing. We know how to get up and act like we got it all going on. But on the inside, we're dying because there's a war going on. The enemy has been doing everything to tear us apart. And, and boxing with the air only produces exhaustion. God wants you to know you've got to quit treating your walk as an exercise instead of a battle. In fact, I'm reminded what it says in Psalms 44 verse 9. But now you've walked off and left us. You've disgraced us and won't fight for us. You made us turn tail and run. Those who hate us have cleaned us out. You delivered us as sheep to the butcher. You scattered us to the four winds. You sold your people a discount. You made nothing on the sale. Have you ever felt that way? Almost as if you've been abandoned. But look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. And I'm about to get into this really deep. And then I'll be done and we'll go eat wings. But you know what? I'm fired up about that too. I mean, I've been on this Advocare stuff. I've been doing Sean T's insanity. That'll make you cuss. I'll tell you right now, you, you, those of you that have dirty mouths, you need to learn Christian cuss words. Sanctification. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Somebody pull out, sanctification! Nate told me the other day, came in and we went to the Alabama game last Saturday. He said, you know, Dad, I'm still scarred the way you used to yank my diaper down and moon people when you were driving. <laughs> I know. My family did a lot of drugs. We still get together at Christmas and watch strobe lights. Now watch. Call it family flashback. Watch. See, some of you don't even realize you're in a war right now. The Bible says the world is unprincipled. It's dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have, never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. Are you with me so far? We use our powerful God tools, tools for smashing more philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience and into maturity. God says, I've been waiting on you to get here. He says, I'm in your corner. I'm fighting for you. Jeremiah 23 says this, because God's in your corner. You've got to get this. Jeremiah, and, I, and I'm about to move into the deep story of Peter, but, but go, go to Jeremiah. It says, am I not God? Not a God near at hand, God's decree, and not a God far off. Can anyone hide out in a corner where I can't see him? God's decree. Am I not present everywhere, whether seen or unseen? That's God's decree. He says, I'm not hiding. I'm in, I'm in your corner. I'm walking beside you. It's Psalms 140, verse 6. Uh, it says, I prayed, God, you're my God. Listen, God, mercy. God, my Lord, strong Savior, protect me when the fighting breaks out. Don't let the wicked have their way. God, don't give them an inch. Listen to what I'm talking about. I have come to preach about getting off the mat when you get knocked down. I've come to tell you to rise up and and walk with a holy fire. God told me to come and tell you get off the mat. He told me to tell you this is your moment. Are you ready for this? Give him a praise offering right now and I'll be done in just a moment. But he spoke to me because you got to understand that when he does this, he says the battle's starting, but we got too many men in here doing this, ringing out when God says I've got dreams, I've got plans for you. 
So let me give you the life of Simon Peter, who would become the New Testament pastor, but he was the ultimate failure. Because the end of yourself is the beginning of God. And I've learned that God will allow you to become everything you hate so that you'll hate what you've become. Let me tell you about a guy that would become the ultimate Benedict Arnold. The biggest of all the disciples. That when he walked in a room, he would send fear because of his size. A guy that sometimes would shoot his mouth off and forget his first love. Simon Peter. I love Simon Peter because after he messed up the worst, he said, you know what? I go fishing. He said, I'm going back to what used to work. I'm going back to what I did before I stepped into this thing called ministry. I love what Ecclesiastes 4.10, it says, if somebody falls down, help him up, pity the man nobody wants to help up. He was always blowing it and, 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 and sinking in Mark 14.29 down into the water or Matthew 16.23. Jesus called him Satan. Why in the world would Jesus call him the worst name you could be called? He said, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me because Simon Peter was trying to convince Jesus. You know, we don't ever understand this. Remember he called Judas? Remember what he called Judas? He called Judas' friend in the garden. He called Simon Peter Satan because Simon Peter was trying to tell him to tear down the Roman Empire, make us the knights of the round table, take take down the government and he said hey hey get behind me Satan but then Judas came to give him a kiss in the garden and he called him friend why because Simon Peter was trying to keep him from getting to God Peter was making it possible with the kiss of death to get him to God or excuse me Judas with the kiss of death to get him to God so the Simon Peters in your life are Satan's anyone telling you to do your own will is a Satan but the ones making it possible the Judas in your life they're your friends because they push you to your face. They push you to cry out. Other times he was brilliant. Mark, Mark the 8th chapter. And, and also, Matthew, also Matthew chapter 16 verse 16. You are the Christ. He would become a rock. Jesus said upon this rock I will build my church. And yet he was so flawed. Why in the world would he become the New Testament By the time we get to Luke chapter 22, verse 40, Simon Peter pulls his sword out because he was a man of war. And he chops the ear off the soldier guarding the high priest. And Jesus has to bend over, pick the ear up, and heal the guy right there. He had warned him. Luke 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I prayed that you wouldn't fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Here's the key, watch. And then in verse 34 of Luke 22, Jesus says to him, before the rooster crows, for the second time, you will deny me three times. Then they come in, 
They dragged Jesus away, and that is the moment things began to fall apart in Peter's life. Just 20 verses before, he's like, I'll be the best disciple ever. I'll be the strongest disciple ever. I'll be the best man ever, and I will stand up for you. I'll go to, uh, I'll go to prison for you, Jesus. I'll let him kill me. And 20 verses later, as they're dragging Jesus into the worst night in history, the worst moment in history, Simon Peter decides can't do this can't do it this is too intense for me and he follows from a distance what I'm learning if you ever stick your head in the sand you just give the devil a bigger target amen (laughs) next thing you know Jesus it all starts And Jesus goes to trial in Mark chapter 14, verse 63. The high priest is standing in front of him. And the high priest, Caiaphas, was the high priest. And Caiaphas tore his own robe, which was against the law. No high priest could tear the robe. That's why Jesus' robe, it says, was not torn. I think Caiaphas was trying to say, he's the guy. John went in with Jesus. And while John went in with Jesus to testify, that's why John would be the only disciple that died a semi-normal death. What you call Island of Patmos, what you call isolation, God calls revelation. And the whole time that Jesus is being abused and talked down to, Simon Peter is warming himself around the fire and he begins to fail miserably in the presence. Have you ever failed in front of your family? I can tell you of times, Mr. Preach all over the world, where I have had to go into my house and wash my family's feet because of the trail that I've taken them down. I even washed my dog one night, baptized it, tried to cast a spirit of bark out of it. Yorkies guard the gates of hell. I'll tell you right now they do. Legion. But I can't tell you how many times I've had to get on my knees. I'll never forget years ago my wife said to me. She said, because I thought because I was raised like this. I was raised, remember, I'm only second generation family Christian. My father got saved when I was five. I mean, they, they did every kind of drug, acid, everything. And, and God restored his brain. He has two earned doctorates, but I still don't think they're right. And, and um but you got to understand, I'll never forget when I first went into the ministry, my beautiful wife, she, is, she was raised in Eagle Lake, not far from here in Winter Haven area. And, and, and we met at Southeastern and she said to me, she said, we're, we're driving to church one day and I thought you could be a jerk on the way to church if you had to preach. I mean, it's a holy moment. And then and, and all of a sudden Karen said to me, she said, you know, you're my favorite preacher. I just hate going to church with you. I pulled off the road and wept and said, I'll never again I've had a whole lot of I'll never do that again I just dedicated my new book to her because I said you taught me to be remnant you taught me to walk in integrity when we see a lot of stuff going on in ministry false grace being preached a lot of people they'll do anything they'll try anything they'll drink anything and you know because there's been a spirit dispatched from hell to think make leaders think they can act like the world to win the world that's why I love you you stand for integrity that's why this desk is holy 
but this house is being blessed. That's why when I walked through the door, I felt the presence of God hit me, and I went, oh, wow, I've done a lot of men's conferences, but I ain't felt this on the first night. We usually got men standing around seeing who's the coolest. And then I see men up here on their knees weeping. And I thought, I'm in the right place. This place has done gone after the Holy Ghost. These people have been through something. Somebody give my God a prayer. I'm going to preach. Suddenly, Simon Peter's warming himself at the fire. The little girl walks up to him and says, hey, hey, I I think, no, 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 no. Be quiet, girl. I I wasn't with him. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Little old woman, servant woman, because well, she's just, she's just, I don't know, she's, she's, I don't know what she's doing. She's out serving. Walks up, hey, I saw you. You were at that that crusade where he fed the thousands. Of, you know, yeah, I saw you. You the one that took that little boy's lunch. You bully. You're lucky Jesus reproduced it. You've been in trouble. No, 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 ma'am. No, no blankety blankety curses. Isn't it amazing? You can be sitting around the fire, warming yourself, and suddenly confrontation hits your life, and the real stuff comes out. When's the last time you had an encounter with God where he changed your name? When's the last time you walked into your house and laid hands on your family and blessed them? When's the last time you stayed up all night praying in the spirit because you said something's coming against my family? I can tell you that when my son, I wrote about it in my new book, he allowed me to. When my son was in high school, godly kid, leader on campus, big man on campus. But something happened from about February of his senior year till about May of his senior year, everything came against him. The football recruiting, all this stuff took place. He's on trips. And suddenly he opened the door and I felt it. I knew I was losing him. I felt it. And I would go to bed warring. And one night I had a dream. He was killed in a car accident. Next morning, my wife and I went out for a jog together. And I said, I need to tell you, I had a dream. Nate was killed. And she said, I need to tell you, I had the same dream. We began to pray in the spirit. Three days later, everything came out. Nate called and said, Dad, I need you. I've opened the door some things. But there comes a moment where you've got to go to war. There comes a moment where you've got to fight. There comes a moment when I got my little girl from China, and she had infant asthma so bad because of the lead in the walls, and one of her eyes wasn't working correctly, and I would hear her at night trying to breathe, and I would lay in there at the foot of her bed, get off a plane from preaching, lay in there at the foot of her bed with my hand on her belly, praying in tongues for hours. I'm looking for some men that know how to do war. Oh, we know how to get, get, in, get in a plane and put boots on the ground overseas. But when's the last time you said, devil, get out of my house? When's the last time you walked to your front porch, opened the door and said, get out. I bind you in the name of Jesus. You have no authority over my marriage, over my finances. You have no authority over my mind. I'm not inviting devils in on my laptop. I'm standing up. God told me to come and tell you, you're not a failure. God does not demand perfection. He just demands pursuit. Peter started following from afar. He forgot the pursuit. He said, follow me. Peter, I'll make you a fisher's of men. But when the hell came down, he said, I can't do that anymore. He 
followed from a distance. It's what happens to a man when the world starts getting him after he's had an encounter with God. He used to be the first one up to praise. He used to be the first one to cry out. He used to be the first one to do like the Romans and pick a brother up and put other brothers and say, let's carry him through the battle. He's wounded. But now something's happened. Something started bothering him. Something happened in his business. So his identity got rocked just a little bit. And now he sits in the middle. He don't, he don't do anything. I'm always amazed when I preach at churches and I'll look at a dad standing like this during worship because somehow he's just a little bit not wanting to be there. And then I'll follow right down the line and I'll see his son standing just like dad and we're reproducing devils. Am I making anybody mad? Because I know what it's like to travel all over the world and almost lose my son. And suddenly Simon Peter's sitting around the fire and he denied three times. And when he denied the last time, suddenly he turns, he turns. I don't know him, blankety blank. Uh Uh-uh. What's up, fellas? Turns. He sees the eyes of Jesus looking at him. It's as if the denial had knocked Jesus down. He's going, but Peter... you to sit with me while I pray but you fell asleep I took you to the heights of the mountain you were one of the very few in history that have ever heard the voice of God and yet you are denying knowing me I took you to my father's house you met Moses and Elijah I don't know him because I'm denying him at my office because something's caught my eye. I don't know him because you don't know what I've been through, Pat. Every time I start to get free, I'm reminded of what my dad did or didn't do to me. I don't know him, Pat. I've been through some things. People don't understand me. I've got my own needs. I'd rather just go and hide out somewhere. I don't know him. And so you used to be on fire, but something got in there. Something right. You feel defrauded by God. Maybe he didn't meet you where he thought he was. You thought he would meet you. This economy kicked in and they handed you the pink slip or you didn't get that dream you thought would work out. And so now you've just started following from a distance and Jesus is sitting there going, wasn't I enough? What happened? See, there's three places of changes that a man will always have to go to. And it's the the place of failure. Samson and Moses understood this. The the place of futility. You you know what I'm talking about. David understood failure. Uh, Failure and then there's futility. What is that? That's helplessness. That's what Paul said in in Romans chapter 7. He said, the things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. I'm like a man beating the air. I can't get it right. Am I talking to anybody in here? You you just want to say, I'm sorry, I can't get it right. Second marriage on the rocks. Third marriage on the rock. First marriage. Yes, sweetheart. What happened to us? And somewhere along the way, you become strangers that sleep on pillows beside each other. And God's saying, let me pour wine back in this marriage. That's the reason why his first miracle was putting, turning water into wine at a marriage. You know why? Because wine in the Hebrew means joy. And God says, the first thing I want to show the world is I want to take back the garden. What was split in the garden. What was robbed in a marriage in the garden. I'll turn water 
water and the wine at a marriage, at a marriage supper. I'll put wine back in that marriage. I'll restore your first love, the wife of your youth. Are you getting this? But you'll never change till you come to a place of failure or a place of futility. You can't get it right. But then the third place is the place of finality where you say enough is enough. I will not torture my family anymore. I will not act like this anymore. I will not be loose with my tongue anymore. I will stand up and I will worship if it costs me my friendships and it costs me an account. If it costs me every... Why are you so intense tonight? It's y'all's fault. Y'all worship like this. I normally wouldn't do this. Talking about hallelujah. He's won the victory. Okay, I'm like, all right, I'm preaching. If y'all wanted to talk, I can go just sit on a stool, but I can't do that here. Love what my dear friend, his name's Chris Hill. He said, this generation doesn't know how to preach. They just talk. And then Jesus dies. Where's Peter at? In John 21, it says he went fishing. He even took Nathaniel with him. What's, he's, what's he even know about? Because when you start getting in that place, you'll take people that shouldn't even be going with you. That boy never hold, held a rod or really good. Come on, let's all go backside together. Jesus goes to the cross. Simon Peter was close to the cross. But Jesus looks down at John and says, take care of mama. As he's dangling between heaven and hell, between two crosses, yesterday and tomorrow, two thieves. Yesterday will steal from you. Tomorrow will try to steal from you. But if you'll keep Jesus in the middle in your today, you're okay. When Jesus released his spirit, he said three things on the cross. He said, I thirst, I forgive, and it's finished. Until you do those three things, God cannot use you. I pray every morning. I want to thirst, I want to forgive, and I want to declare things are finished in my life. That's my prayer every morning. The other thing I always pray is I say, God, as the priest of my house, which means I better outserve my family. My job doesn't begin when I pull in the drive or pull out the driveway. It begins when I pull in the driveway. I pray this nearly at least once a week. I pray, God, make me the pastor of my house that they want to be pastored by. Because I am the spiritual thermostat of my home. Why do you think we have a nation of young men that are running crazy? Because there's nobody controlling the thermostat. The Bible says he goes fishing. Jesus dies on the cross. He's gone for three days. And the disciples go into hiding. Till the third day. He resurrects. And I love this because the Bible says that Peter says, I want to go to the tomb. He's going with John. Because Peter is older and bigger. John gets to the door of the tomb. And because Peter is the oldest of all the disciples... John let him go in first out of respect. Peter runs into the tomb because I've learned that your failures will always drive you to resurrection. They'll always push you back to Jesus. He runs in there. Jesus is gone. He's resurrected. And this is it. I'll close. Next thing you know, they're out fishing. Peter feels like a failure. Listen, can I get real with you tonight? Is that all right? I dealt with a failure spirit for 10 years in ministry. 
I could preach to thousands and go to bed crying. As a youth pastor of two of the largest youth ministries in America, the largest in the southeast, I'd go to bed at night weeping. And I'll never forget because the schedule started growing. So I went on the road as a, as a, as a youth evangelist. And, and, and yet I could preach and I was getting invited to these big events. And I would go back to my hotel room and go, but I'm a failure. You know, failure is insecurity and insecurity is pride. The two number one things that will bring you down is fear, fear and pride. Fear always leads to anger. Anger always leads to perversion. Show me a young man that's wrapped up in perversion in identity or anything else, and I'll show you a young man that was afraid as a child. And I'll never forget, I got stuck in a hotel room. I wrote about this. I believe in, in why has God so mad at me, but I, I got stuck in a hotel room, and I got stuck in a blizzard. And my son called, my wife called, my son is screaming, tell daddy to come home. His eardrums had burst. He had ear issues as a, as a little boy. And, and I'm stuck in a, in a blizzard in Toronto, and I'm weeping, and I'm on the floor, and I'm saying, I quit, God, I quit. I can't do this anymore. I quit. I can't do this. I can't. I'm telling you, the greatest thing that could ever happen to you is get stuck by yourself. Because then you'll have a Jonah moment. And I'm on my knees in a hotel room and I, uh, my, my friend John Bevere called and, and, and tried to speak life to me and say, come on, you got to break out of this path because I was done. I was so mad I couldn't get home. You know it's a blizzard in Canada when they shut down the airport. My God. The conference I was supposed to speak at got canceled, so that meant no love offering, no, no eating. And all of a sudden, I'm laying on the floor, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, the problem with you, Pat, is you've never resurrected. You only redecorate the same old tomb. When are you going to get free? And I wrestled for seven hours. I've wrestled twice in my life. The other time was when my sister died, and God freed me of grief. But you've got to understand, it transformed me. After seven hours, I stood up in a hotel room praying in tongues and broke out of that thing that had been on me my whole life and had been on my father and on my grandfather because finally somebody had the guts to say, enough is enough. I'm tired of going down like this. I will not become a casualty of war. I will not embarrass my family. Somebody give my God a praise offering because God says I'm looking for men that will stand up in this room and finally get a backbone and quit blaming you everything that happened to you and blaming who harmed you and blaming who walked out on you he says I'm looking for somebody in this place that'll stand up and say you the real problem is not the devil we can bind him all day and but you the real problem is the fact that I have issues and I gotta get free and the Bible says that Simon Peter is out fishing and they haven't caught a thing all night and they suddenly see Jesus oh you ain't getting this yet they see Jesus on the shore he's standing there he is now resurrected He's got scars to prove it because when you finally get free, you may have a few scars. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Simon Peter, John looks out and says, there he is because the worshiper can always recognize him first. Faith has to believe he's there. Worship sees him. And all of a sudden, Simon Peter says, no, no, I got to talk to him. I got to tell him I'm sorry. He takes off his shirt, dives into the water, swims, and Jesus is cooking breakfast. 
he crawls up on the sand. He said, Lord, Jesus didn't even acknowledge him, really. Didn't even say, hey, remember when you screwed up three nights ago? Huge. Your papers are gone. <laughs> remember when you cussed about me? Yeah. Jesus didn't do that. He's cooking. And it says the fire was built. I studied that term fire. It's the same exact word. It's only used twice in the Bible. The night that Peter sat by the fire, and this moment was the same fire. It means charcoal. It's only the other time it's used in the Bible. So in other words, Jesus chose to build a fire to bring back to remembrance his mistake. He's sitting in the fire. He goes, I remember this. I'm at the fire again. And all of a sudden, Peter, Jesus goes, hey, Peter, do you love me? I love you. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you, do you love me more than revolution? Do you love me more than miracles? Do you love me more than the other disciples hanging out with them and having fun and being a part of the cool club? Do you love me more than everything the world has to offer? I do. And feed my sheep. We know, we know the next 40 days that Jesus would preach and teach but he'd do no more miracles we don't see Peter again until Jesus said go sit wait and tarry X 1-8 in the upper room now we know 500 heard that command 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that but only 120 showed up because some people are just happy with the cross of grace but there was 120 that wanted also the room of fire we know that they sat up there for 10 days. Completion. Oh, I'm closing, I'm closing, I'm closing, I'm closing. And we don't know what happened for those 10 days, but I bet Peter sat in the corner most of the time because all he could do was hear the rooster crowing. I bet Mary would walk over to him and say, come on, son, he loved you. I know, Mom. But I failed him. John would come over and say, come on, bro. You're all right. I know, but I failed him. I'll go down in history as the biggest failure in history. No, come on now. But then something happened that was something like wind and fire in Acts 2-4. And the house was shaken. And next thing you know, on the morning of the 10th, a door opens at Solomon's Colonnade, much like this. And all of a sudden, a guy walked out. had had an encounter with God and he starts preaching and in Acts the second chapter he was the fighter that learned to fight then Peter stood up with the other 11 the Bible says and raised his voice and addressed the crowd and fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem let me explain this to you listen carefully to what we say I'm not drunk as you suppose no this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days God says I will pour my spirit out on all people your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams and, and even on my servants he goes on to just declare and prophesy and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved he would even say later I believe it's in verse 34 I believe that's it he would say hey what just happened to us isn't just for us it's for children's children 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 
But when you get in the fight, stand with me. You'll get others in the fight. What do you mean, Pat? Oh, it's about to get good. You ready? You ready? I love a good story. I love it when it ends in victory. See what you need to know. Keep those lights up for me if you would. Too many years on stage lights. We'll lower them in a minute, but this is critical. This is critical. See, Pastor Jamie, I don't want to hang out with a guy that ain't been through something. You know why I think I was drawn to you at that conference and I turned? Because you've had to fight some devils. why Jim and I are so close. I ain't got time for people that ain't did nothing. Oh, you mean build something? No, I don't care about them. You got enough money and a good microphone, you build something. But I want to be around people. That have a few scars from the battle because scars on earth are testimonies in heaven. about to fill this room with his glory. You better get ready. Acts chapter 3. The Bible says that Peter and John are walking down the road one day. Faith and praise. They're so excited. They've just had an encounter with God. I bet they're still speaking in tongues. I bet they're like looking at each other going, watch me do it, dude. Dude, I still got it too. they're walking down the road something had come on Simon Peter and he sees a man sitting at the gate called beautiful the Bible says he wasn't really in he wasn't really out it says when people would go to worship they would set him there so he knew how to praise but he also knew how to talk to the world sitting at the door of the church following from afar and all of a sudden He said, hey, alms, alms. Peter looks over at John and goes, he don't know we're in the ministry, does he? He don't know we're broke. (laughs) Now, if he'd have been saying it today, if we were in New York subway or in in, in an area with some subways or, or around a homeless person, they don't say alms anymore. They go, change. You make any change? Peter says, I ain't got no money, but I got some change. I've been through some change. I've been through the place of failure, futility, and finality. I've been through the place where I felt like I was about to lose my family. My wife was packing her bags, about to walk out. My kids had locked their bedroom door. Didn't even know how to tell me hi anymore. Am I talking to anybody here? Been to that place. I've been to a place where the creditors were calling. and every. I know what change is. Change is an encounter. You know what it means to repent? It literally means what they used to do. Repentance comes from the word when they would conquer a village. They would would, uh, go in and they would make the people that had been captured to stand and watch their houses burn down because they were saying now we're taking you with us and you can never come back here because there's nothing left there that's where the word repentance comes from the place where you burn down the old and turn your back on it and walk out and keep going I'm not going back there are you with me the place where you say I'm tired of being pulled in on my thoughts I'm tired of looking at garbage on my computer my laptop my phone whatever it is and all of a sudden Peter goes hey hey guy in fact the guy was actually born with no feet 
Then all of a sudden he goes, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have given I thee in the name of Jesus. He grabs the man by the hand. The man's feet grow back. Helps him up because once you've been down you got and got up, you got to help. And the man starts dancing and ticks off the religious people, goes running into the church. It wasn't time for any miracles. They were doing, it was video announcement time and makes everybody mad. Starts dancing, shouting and dancing and the religious leaders of the day get mad. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 4, si, uh, Peter and John are now arrested for healing somebody. And, and now they're standing in front of the Sanhedrin and they're standing in front of a man by the name of Caiaphas whom Jesus also also faced and all of a sudden the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 verse 7 and they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question him by what power what name did you heal this this guy and Peter then Peter I can see him I can see him stop I'm done all of a sudden Peter looks over at John and goes John I got this no man let me tell him John shut your mouth you already testified it's my turn to testify what, what Peter what John you know I'm bigger than you this is my moment and the Bible says Peter steps up and says by the power of Jesus Christ whom he crucified the cornerstone of our salvation this man was healed why did Peter step up because Peter who knew Aramaic understands that the name Caiaphas means the rooster's crowing again and he was saying, it just gave me a chance to fix what I did back there and shut the mouth of the rooster to stop. Oh, I wish you'd get a hold of this. He just gave me a chance to fix this thing. He just gave me a chance to fix this thing. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? Jesus got in the ring for you and I. Shut your eyes and cry out across this room because God's about to move. And he sent me here to share with you and tell you he's looking for somebody that'll do battle in this place. He's looking for somebody to stand up and do war. Lift your hands. Let's go. Raise your hands across this place. And if you are a, a born again and believer or spirit field I'm calling on you right now to rise up in fact put your hand on your belly where your spirit man is and say this Jesus rise up in me it's time cry out to God across this room I want to hear your voices man I want to hear your voices I'm here to talk to every failure in this room, every man that keeps blowing it, every man that keeps messing up, and you think, I can't make it, I can't be what I'm called to be. God sent me here to tell you this is your moment. God sent me to tell you he's not done with you. God sent me to tell you you've got to rise up. God sent me to come and tell you. I, I've never shared this. I shared it, a, a concept of it at a youth thing about a year ago. And the Lord said, here's what I want you to preach. And I'm like, Lord, you know what he told me? Five o'clock tonight. I'm on the phone with my guys. That's why I was up here talking. I'm like, Lord, can we do this? I had to tell Matt, who's from your church. Matt, you've never heard this, so you got to follow me. Lord is telling me this will be one of the greatest churches in America. There's an apostolic mantle on this house that's supposed to spread, and you know that. 
was a planting anointing on this house. You're a father that he has raised up. And he's raising up in this house an anointing. And you have stepped into that bishop anointing, that fathering anointing, that mantle that's on you. I'm going to run with you. I'm telling you because you got it on you. And I'm telling you, God says, what I've kept you hidden, son, now I'm bringing you out. And I will bring sons around you. And they will walk with you. And there's men in this room that you will launch into greatness. And God says, son, I have kept you hidden for a season. But now the veil is pulled back. And I am bringing forth an anointing. Now this has already been spoke over you. The Lord told me to confirm it. The bishop apostolic mantle. It, it, it has nothing to do with the stuff that you and I have been raised in. It's bigger than that. Shut your eyes across this room. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Mm, yeah, yeah. Oh, I feel your glory, Lord. Your eyes shut across this place. Hold on just a second. No music. Just for a second. Here it comes. I need to know. I need to know. Is there any Simon Peters in this room? I need to Is there anybody that the waves are crushing in on? Is there anybody sitting around the fire of comfort denying him? He just walked in. My God, he just walked in. He just walked in. If you're not used to what's happening, that's the spirit rising up in people. Don't let it freak you out. It's right. There's men, there's men, there's men that are suddenly feeling a stirring because Peter sat at many different stages. He sat in the calling moment. Then he sat in the sinking moment of the waves. Then he sat in the, in the sleep in the darkest hour then he would he would first he would be on the mountain of the transfiguration the mountain of where God transfigures and changes you and he would open his mouth and end up being an idiot in the moment he would sit around the fire and curse him he would run into the night naked and follow at a distance and then then he would die a thousand deaths for three days and run back to an empty tomb to realize who resurrected for him then he would dive out of a boat swim to the shore to only hear that he was called again he had been called again and then and then John even prophesied he said you're going to have a horrible death Peter you need to know that and Peter would he would be crucified upside down he would be crucified upside down while his wife would be raped in front of him because he refused to die like Jesus because he had went up the stairs to an upper room and had an encounter with God and turned into the New Testament pastor. Does he sound like anybody in this room? Let's just focus on three of them. Here we go, here we go. When I'm done, when I'm done, when I'm done. Here he comes again. 
It goes away. The rooster's crowing. Cry out. Tell him. Louder. Cry out louder. He wants you to cry out louder. Him to his knees when he was on trial in front of the world. How many times is my compromise not Jesus to his knees when he was on trial right in front of the world? When he said, you know I anointed you. You know I rescued you. You know I brought you out of that. But you keep looking back at it. Glory to your name, God. He's chosen you. will I reach into the water and pull you out of what you've been in when you thought you could handle the storm say I love you more than these I love you more than these do you love me more than these do you love me more than what the world has been dishing up to you empty promises and false lies three calls here they come and we're going to hear the bell ring. We're going to hear the bell ring. God says it's time to do war. He says, I'm about to ring the bell. I'm about to call you to battle. I'm about to call you to take your boy back, your daughter back, your wife back. Your, your, your single guy, he's calling you to take back your life. God says the bell is ringing. The bell is ringing. You've went down on a couple of them. You've been knocked to the mat. But God says tonight, I'm calling you to war. He says, you been in battles after battle you're in round four you're in the next round and around some of us in our life are in round five and six some of us are almost close to round ten but God says I'm calling you to stand up and fight I'm calling you to have the greatest moment of your life so with every eye shut across I will not beg you I will not manipulate you I will not talk you into this there's an anointing that draws a man a man cannot convict you the Holy Spirit does and so with every eye Every eye shut across this place. My God says tonight, he tells me to ask you, are you sitting at the fire of compromise? And with every eye shut across this place, put your hands down, put your hands down, put your hands down. Every eye shut across this place. Three calls. I'm giving three calls. Three. We'll highlight the three calls of Simon Peter. The three calls. If you're sinking in the water because of doubt and fear and things that you've let in your life, you've let sin in your life and you need the hand of God to pull you out. 
with every eye shut across this place. If you need God to change you, raise your hand. You've got sin in your life. You've never accepted him or you have accepted him, but you let stuff in. If you have sin in your life, I'm not going to beg you. I'm going to say it once. Raise your hand now. Raise it up high. I need to warn you as you begin to walk towards the front, the Holy Spirit may mess with you because that's usually what happens. If you just raise your hand, come on down. 